All right, praise God. We're going to get into the Word. Of course, that's what we always do. Uh, and we're going to get into, if you can, turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel. Uh, we're going to be a couple places in 1 Samuel, so you might want to start with 1 Samuel chapter 13. We'll be mostly in chapter 28. We'll hop around the Bible a little bit, probably even be the book of Revelation a little bit today. But uh, yeah, those tracks, I think they're a couple years old. They're pretty fresh as far as uh, I've written, I've done a few messages on Halloween and that's the first track I wrote on it. In fact, uh, uh, one of the Texas groups, uh, uh, live stream groups out there, uh, the Jacksons group, uh, he was surfing the internet when he was caught up in all kinds of religious darkness came across an article not that track I think that track's even better we came across another article on our website on Halloween that had written and he said God used that through a, ser- a series of events to open his eyes to more and more of our teaching where he came out of all that junk and now he's heading up a live stream uh, James is with his wife and family and they got a bunch of great people you've been meeting them some of you we had almost I don't know it was 18 19 people or so went up to Texas and uh met with that group along with I guess some people from a couple of live stream groups and and that live stream group where are you guys you guys over here over here I'm not sure which camera but uh we praise God for all of our live stream groups up in New York and throughout the different places in the country and for all the new folks that are James's group praise God they said that evangelistic tour we had up there bore a lot of fruit and there's a lot of just connections and you know people got saved things of that nature so that's that's awesome that's what it's all about that track is an eye-opener because it basically gets into the roots of where Halloween came from and the worship of Samhain, a Celtic god, and what have you, and appeasing the spirits of the so-called dead, which are typically demonic spirits. Uh, So I encourage you to get that. There is a spiritual war that we are in. And there is a indication from, not just indication, but just straight out scriptures that talk about an occult explosion in the end days. And in 2 Timothy, when Paul says, you know, know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Uh, one of the things he says a little bit later down in that passage, I think around verse 8, 9, or 10 in that area, that there will be these people that, you know, invade people's homes with their message and weak people, and they'll deceive them like Jannies and Jambres. Jannies and Jambres are the names given to the sorcerers, the witches, the, 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 the warlocks, if you will, in Pharaoh's court. And he says, in the last days, we're going to see more of that kind of deception. People right in their homes, you know, being deceived by these folks. And in the book of Revelation, the Greek word pharmakeia for witchcraft, it's used five times in the New Testament Greek. But four of those five times are in the book of Revelation, indicating that it would, they would, it would specifically be prominent in the end of days. And of course it is in Revelation chapter 9. It says they don't w- repent of their that's why his judgments continue to fall upon them because they refuse to repent of their worship of demons and other forms of immorality. And right now, Halloween has been cut, catching up to Christmas as far as the celebrations that are going on. And we should expect that based on our nation uh, collectively, for the most part, turning away from God and opening themselves up to occult uh, phenomena, uh, witchcraft, and so forth. I document in that track, and I... I Get, have the footnotes in the track just the uh, growth of of Wicca I mean the the television shows the movies celebrating witchcraft have been a phenomenon going on for a couple decades now of course Harry Potter uh, and his Hogwarts school of wizardry that he went to to be initiated was 
written by a woman who said that she channeled the, the characters and, and she even recorded what was being, she was channeling. She was practicing witchcraft herself, you know, demons. The Bible calls these doctrines of demons. And Wicca, which is the most popular form of witchcraft today, they wanted to call it the ancient wisdom. It's based on some ancient lies, that's for sure. But it comes from Crowley's teachings because Gerald Gardner, who was a sexual pervert, started Wicca for women, and he took Crowley, he was a member of Crowley's OTO, and he took Crowley's maxim, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, and he made it kinder and friendlier and called it do what thou wilt and harm ye none, and brought Crowley's teachings into Wicca. So there's this form of witchcraft that's Crowleyan basically being practiced all over uh, the nation and the world right now. There's all kinds of young people, uh, countless young people have turned to uh, Wicca, and I document it as being the fastest growing religion at one point in among young people in our country. It's just it, the LA Times or the New York Times last year, this month, last year in October of 2019, ran a story that they titled, quote, When Did Everyone Become a Witch? And this article claims, quote, We have reached peak witch, stating that, quote, real witches are roaming among us, and they are seemingly everywhere. Witches are influencers who use the hashtag witches of Instagram to share horoscopes, spells, and witchy memes. And they are anti-Trump resistance activists carrying signs that say, hex the patriarchy. Now, it's interesting. Not just anti-Trump. Witches are anti-Christ. Uh, anti the, tip, the, the biblical Christ, that is. You know, they'll, they'll feign a belief in a false Messiah. If you follow Christ, you would not be into witchcraft because his word in the book of Revelation, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ, it's not the revelation of the Apostle John, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he signified it, boom, boom, boom. It's the revelation of Jesus. He condemns witchcraft there and other places and throughout his word. So, witchcraft is uh, communing with demonic spirits trafficking with demonic entities. Oftentimes, uh, it's in the name of talking to dead ancestors. And very rarely does the Lord allow, like he did with Abraham, I'm sorry, with Moses and Elijah to speak to Jesus. Very rarely does God allow the dead to actually speak to us. And we're forbidden in Scripture to seek them out with the penalty of death. So it was given to Israel. And we're forbidden just because we're believers. Uh, but uh, witches traffic with the demonic world. The Bible tells us that there is a spiritual realm. Uh, there is a spiritual realm and uh, that there's good and evil in the spiritual realm. There's good angels and there's fallen angels. And Satan and his angels fell. And a third of those angels were told, a third of the good angels fell with Satan. Revelation chapter 12. Many of these angels we read were banned in uh, the underworld in chains of darkness being reserved for the judgment of the great day. But most of these fallen angelic entities are alive and well, uh, serving Satan and the chief rebel, the archangel that fell, uh, and are seeking to deceive the masses. And, they're making, and they are deceiving the masses. The Bible says that our gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, is hid, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It's because the God of this world that Satan has blind he's the God of the world system, the, the lost world, has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, whose image of God should shine unto them. So he blinds them. But with a believer, after the seed of God's word is sown in your heart, 
Jesus says he tries to snatch it out. And if he can't snatch it out, then he tries to choke it out with the cares and the affairs of this world and the pleasures of life, or tries to persecute you to the point to get you to give up and follow in Jesus. But you want to be one of those folks that Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8, Matthew chapter 13, who holds fast to God's word and withstands uh, the persecution and holds fast to his word to the end and bears fruit to God's glory. Amen? So we're in this war, this spiritual war that's going on. And I want to talk about Samuel and Saul and the witch of Endor. Coming up on Halloween, we need biblical perspective. And it's interesting, Saul was the first king of Israel. God told them that he didn't want them to have a king. He was supposed to be their king. But they cried out and said, give us a king like the other nations give us a king. And we talked about this last week with another broader question. But they, he said, okay, here's a king. Here's King Saul. And King Saul had a decent start. He's kind of shy. He didn't want to come up and speak. He's hiding in the crowd. You know, he's humble at first, so it seemed. Maybe he was just, you know, too self-focused or whatever it was. And he started off and he was, had the Holy Spirit of God. He was obedient to the Lord. He's going forward and so forth. But then he was to defeat the Amalekites. And what did he do? He left King Agag, Agag alive. Remember him? We use Agag sometimes as a picture of the flesh. He didn't want to kill King Agag, the wicked king, who ended up siring a descendant would come through him that would oppose uh, with, with regard to Haman. Remember in Esther and that whole story, Mordecai? Haman was his actual descendant who tried to destroy Israel. Kind of interesting how that whole thing worked out. But he kept this guy alive like a trophy. And he was supposed to put him to death, this king, because he's a wicked king. And we got to be careful not to keep evil things alive. Oh, he had it chained. He had it under control. And some people look at their sin that way. Oh, I can kind of nurse it along and just play with this sin. And it'll come back and bite you really hard. Amen. You need to keep your heart close to Jesus. Amen. Now, it's interesting... Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13, we read that God, we read, uh, very interesting. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. Just hop over to 15 because I'm going to cut through this a little bit. 13, uh, God, God basically took his anointing. Chapter 13, verse 13. He took his anointing from him, King Saul's anointing, because of his rebellion. Then he could pick it up in 1 Samuel 15 and then go to verse 20. And then we read, then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord because he didn't obey the Lord. He's, trying to, he's on the defense saying he did and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and I brought back Agag, the king of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the, Amalek, the Malachites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choicest of the things devoted to destruction to sacrifice the Lord your God at Gilgal, Samuel said. Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? They weren't supposed to bring all those things back. They're supposed to be destroyed. And they brought him back. And he says, oh, it's a sacrifice to the Lord. We want to worship the Lord. And some of the people, you know, did this. And, and he's saying, hey, Samuel's saying to him, Samuel was this awesome prophet, amen? Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than what? Sacrifice. sacrifice. Keith Green has a great song with that title. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. And how many people, they think they put in their, their little sacrifices and they don't have to obey the Lord. They do their own thing. 
maybe going to church on a Sunday. Oh, this is what I do for the Lord. But the rest of the week I get hammered, you know. And I pursue pornography or whatever you, hopefully you don't do, but some of you may, hopefully not. And I do, you do your own thing. No, to obey is better than a sacrifice, amen. And to heed, meaning pay attention to God's word, than the fat of rams. Verse 23, very interesting verse. For rebellion as, is as a sin of divination. Rebellion, when you rebel against the Lord, it's like the sin of witchcraft or divination. Divination is a sin of trafficking with fallen angels, demonic entities. And when you rebel against the Lord, you're basically aligning yourself with Satan and the fallen angels. That's serious stuff. Jesus said, he that's not with me is what? Against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad. Matthew 12, 30. For rebellion is as a sin of divination. And insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. It's sin, it's idolatry because you put yourself before the Lord. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. You have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. So Samuel, we read in 1 Samuel, or 1 Samuel 15. Let him know that God in chapter 15 had rejected him as being the king now. And what king, what man would, would Samuel, would the Lord raise up in Saul's stead? Do you remember? David. And now David, King, Sa or king Saul was given over to a demonic spirit, a, dis a tormenting spirit. And we read in different passages like 1 Samuel 16, 14, 18, 10 about this distressing entity that would come upon him and torment him. And when you're rebelling to the Lord, it's as a sin of witchcraft, so whether you're seeking the demonic realm or not, your rebellion attracts them. And the hedges go up. Sometimes God will lift a hedge for, of a righteous man to test him, as he did with Job. But it's for a time and a season to strengthen us, to test us, to see our hearts and see who we'll choose. But someone who gives themselves over to evil is basically a magnet to demons. You open yourself up to the demonic world whether you know it or not. In counseling, I've counseled a lot of people through the years and uh, if you're being given over, it could be a Job thing, but if you're in rebellion, it is. The Bible talks about those who are in rebellion of the Lord that refuse to repent in a church, and they refuse to re repent of, say, adultery or something like that, that they're to be excommunicated if they won't repent and get handed over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh, that their spirit may be saved in the day of salvation. It may be if they repent. And false teachers we read in Second Timothy, in First Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, mentions uh, a couple of false teachers, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who were handed over to Satan to learn not to blaspheme. So King Saul was handed over because of his rebellion against the Lord. But who would come and play music, praise music, worship music, and the demon would leave for a time? King David, before he was king. Remember that? The shepherd of Bethlehem. He'd come and play praise music. And the demons hated it and they'd leave. Man, if you feel harassed, if you feel oppressed, if you feel like the enemy's after you, sing the Lord. Draw near the Lord and he'll draw near to you. Amen? But if godly music repels demons to some degree, at least I believe it's a condition of the heart and David's heart and, uh, and that music was an expression of his heart. It drove them crazy. And you draw near the Lord. That's what's really going on there. He draws near to you. Uh, what would happen if you're playing rebellious music? Antichrist music, you know, demonic music. What do you think that's going to do? You think that's going to repel demons or attract them? It's going to attract them. Oh, little ears, what, watch what you let in. Watch the ear gate. 
We'll have a message on the ear gate pretty soon, the eye gate and other gates as well. So it's interesting here. Saul would summon David, but guess what? He, be, he became aware that David was going to become king. And that God had chosen David to become king. And did he say, okay, Lord, I humble myself before you. That's your choice. May I, may I seek you now for the rest of my life and, and be at peace with you and go to be in your presence forever. Is that what, is that what King Saul did? No, what did he do? He tried to kill him over and over again. He marshaled his army to king to kill David so he would not become king. And it's quite an interesting story. Now we can pick it up at 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 3 and 4. Now Samuel was dead. Samuel had died, the prophet had died, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums and spiritists. See, when they were to come into the land, the promised land, they were to remove, God was actually removing them and used them, those who were involved in necromancy, trying to contact the dead, the mediums, the spiritists, those who were consorting with demons and so forth. Hey, there's some room if you get too wet underneath these canopies up here. Seems like two-thirds of you guys are back there, you know. But you can join the, maybe three-quarters of you guys can join the other quarter up here. Uh, if it gets too heavy. It's just drizzle. Hey, guys, come on. All of our folks that are watching by live stream, they see, they here's those little drizzle. Don't us Californians be known as wimps in the, in the, in the rain, right? Now, if it comes down really hard, let that motivate you to come up here. We'll just all cuddle together in Jesus' name. Now, it's interesting. Uh, Saul, he's a wicked guy. And instead, he's pursuing David. Now, Samuel was dead, and all Israel lamented him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had removed from the land those who were mediums and spiritists. He removed them. Guess what the Lord commanded them? In Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12, it says, When thou art come to the land, the promised land, which the Lord thy God is giving thee, thou shalt not learn to practice the abominations of those nations. Right? There shall not be a spiritist, a wizard, one who reads omens, one who consults with the dead. He gives this whole list of people. There shall not be any of you who, can, who do these detestable things because it's because of these detestable things that the Lord is what? Driving them out from before you. He's driving these people out of the land, right? Well, guess what? Israel had never driven all these guys out of the land, but guess what? King Saul, king, he tried to drive them out. They didn't get all of them, but for the most part, he, got, he drove the mediums and the spiritists out. Verse 4. So the Philistines gathered together. Now check this out. So the Phil now, now it's mentioning that he drove these folks out for an important reason. The biblical narrative is just so impressive. Of course, it's inspired by God because we're going to find out that he's going to try to seek out one of those that he hadn't driven out in a minute because God isn't listening to him because of the rebellion to God. So the Philistines, these were one of the great enemies of Israel that reoccur in throughout the biblical narrative. So the Philistines gathered together and came and camped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together and they camped in Gilboa. Now, it's interesting because they have Saul boxed in. And why do they have Saul boxed in? Why, why, and he's freaking out, by the way. He's incredibly stressed now. Because the Philistines are armed against him. And he doesn't feel they have the resources to defeat the Philistines at this point. And if certainly the Lord is not standing with him. So now he's really freaking out. He's super, 
scared. Because you know what? He spent a lot of his time with his army doing what? Seeking to kill who? King David. So guess what? Oh, he's not ready, is he? Well, verse 5. When Saul saw the camp of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim, speaking of Urim and Thummim, or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek for me a woman who is a medium. Now that's forbidden in Scripture, isn't it? Saul calls his servants and says, Seek for me a medium, a witch, basically. A woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And a servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman who uh, is a medium at Endor. Now she was very careful about her mediumship. She was selective as who she would talk to. She wanted to make sure she wasn't caught like a drug dealer. When all the drug dealers have, are run out of an area, she was very cautious. But God's word was very clear. When God gave the law, which came before King Saul under Moses, Leviticus 19.31 states, Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out and do not make yourselves unclean by them. For I am the Lord your God. We're not supposed to seek out palm readers. We're not supposed to read our horoscope. We're not supposed to call the psychic hotline. Amen? We've got the Word of God. Amen? And these folks will lead you astray radically because they are under the influence of demonic entities. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 6 says, If a person turns to mediums and necromancers, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person. The Lord says that. I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, it says, but cowards, right after it talks about the new heaven and the new earth, and how overcomers will inherit the new heaven and the new earth. Verse 8 says, but, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, porneo there, those who practice witchcraft, pharmakeia, idol worshippers, and all liars, their fate will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So God had forbidden in both testaments, but in Saul's day, he knew the law. And he was forbidden to seek these mediums. And I could, I could spend most of this time just going through the verses that condemn witchcraft and mediumship and idolatry. Verse 8. Then Saul disguised himself by putting on other clothes. Didn't want to be recognized as the king of Israel because he's supposed to be against us. Witches, right? And went. He said, uh, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night cover of night it's like when judas betrayed jesus and he said conjure up for me notice conjure up for me please and bring up for me whom uh i shall name to you so they want to call the name out you know call the name of the spirit but the woman said to him behold you know that saul you know what saul has done now she's talking to saul she doesn't know it yet and how he has cut off those who are mediums and spiritists from the land. Why are you then laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? Saul vowed to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. Bring up Samuel for me. Now Samuel is a man of God. Amen. He's a prophet of God. And I said, it's very, very rare when the Lord allows someone from the other side to come forth and speak. But 
uh, Samuel is called, to, she's going to call him to come up. Why it's the idea about bringing them up? Because where would a man or woman of God go when they die? Where do you go when you die now? If you know the Lord, you go up to heaven. But on the earth, you wouldn't bring someone up if you were involved in witchcraft. Yeah, you would. At that time, you would, because at that time, nobody had yet, Jesus said, ascended to heaven. Jesus said when he was on the earth that no one has yet ascended to heaven. And it's interesting because during that time, our sins were not taken away yet, right? There were the sacrifices and all these things that look forward to the ultimate sacrifice of Christ. But the atonement sacrifices simply covered sin. They didn't take away sin. That's why the priest over and over again throughout each year would offer up all these sacrifices because they never took away sin. They were a constant reminder that sin needed to be dealt with. Amen? It was like our sin was like the garbage man would take, would, we, it was like we cover up our garbage, right? But the garbage guy comes and takes it away. Amen? Amen? But guess what? Their sin was just being covered. But when Jesus came, man, he took it away. Amen? Amen. John the Baptist said, John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen? Amen. He takes our sins away. But sins hadn't been taken away yet. And just as there was a veil in the temple that separated the holiest of holies from everybody but the high priest who could go in once a year. So there's a veil that separated us from God. And there was no way we could go into the presence of God because of our sin. It hadn't yet been taken away. When Jesus died on the cross, what happened? The veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, amen? Allowing access, a picture of how, guess what? The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus, it's, Jesus' flesh was the veil, ultimately. And his flesh was torn. And through his sacrifice for our sins, we now are able to go through that which, was once, that which is holy, which was torn for our sins, and have access to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, said Jesus. Amen. And it was through his gospel that that was accomplished. But prior to that time, you read throughout the Old Testament that those who were saints, those who were following the Lord and the wicked, would all go to a place called Sheol. Okay, Sheol, the Hebrew word, S-H-E-O-L. The Greek word for that place is called Hades. The Greeks use the word Hades, H-A-D-E-S. And the Greeks didn't understand exactly what was going on there, but the Mediterranean world and other parts of the world too understood there's a spiritual realm, and they understood there was also an underworld. Jesus gives us more clarification in Luke chapter 16 that there's two different compartments in this underworld. One is called Abraham's bosom or paradise. Okay? Uh, the other is just simply a place of torment. Do you remember in Luke 16 when the rich man who didn't fear or love God, didn't care for anybody else, he dies, and, the, and Lazarus, who begged at his table and competed with the dogs and had sores on his body, he competed with the dogs for the, for the scraps that would fall from the table. When they both die, the rich man goes to Hades, and he lifts up his eyes in torment and flame, he says. Okay? He's in torment when he communicates. Whereas Lazarus is carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And there's a great gulf fixed between Abraham's bosom and where the rich man is. Such a great gulf that the rich man wasn't able to pass to uh, Abraham's bosom, also called paradise. How do we know it's called paradise? Because Jesus said to the thief on the cross that repented and turned to him in, fa turned to him in faith before he died. He says, surely I tell you that today you will see me where? 
in paradise. Yet we know that Jesus didn't go to paradise the day he died in heaven. He went to paradise in Abraham's bosom. Abraham's a fo- it's called Abraham's bosom when Jesus gives us the teaching in Luke 16 when he deals with Hades, the two compartments. We know that because when Jesus rose from the dead, prior to him rising from the dead, it says in 1 Peter 3.18 that Jesus was put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit whereby he went and preached the spirits that were disobedient in the days of Noah. Where's that? Abraham's bosom? No. Hades. He preached to those that were in Hades. Announced his victory. Okay. And when he, when he rose from the dead and Mary Magdalene grabs him and you know, Lord. And he says, stop clinging me to me. I have not yet what? I have not yet ascended the Father. He hadn't, ascended, he hadn't been to heaven yet. Where was he for those three days and three nights? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 that God gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, teachers for, you know, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and so forth. But it says, he, he says in that passage, he, he who ascended to give gifts to men first descended into the lower parts of the earth to set captivity captive in his train. So what Jesus did at the time of his death, he went into Abraham's bosom, and maybe it's from there. We don't know that he went to the Hades. We know he went, when you read in Acts chapter 2, it says he would not, you will not leave my soul in Hades. So when we use the term Hades for the entire underworld, you can say he went to Hades. The Apostles' Creed, which is not the Roman Catholic, the Roman Catholics adopted later. It was written before Roman Catholicism came around. Part of it talks about how he descended into hell. Well, he, des- he descended into Hades, the lower parts of the earth, Paul says. And he perhaps just went to Abraham's bosom. But even as the rich man and La- or Abraham could talk back and forth across that gulf, maybe it was from there that he announced his victory. But guess what? He descended to the lower parts of the earth, Ephesians chapter 4, and gathered the, the saints. He took captivity, that which was captive, captive, and led captivity captive in his train. Okay? He, he pays the ultimate debt. Like the victor, like a general that goes in and takes the POWs, the prisoners of war, and sets them free. Jesus set them free. Amen. In his train. And he brought them to heaven. In fact, he allowed some of them, many of the bodies, it says in chapter 27, when Jesus rose, many of them came to life physically and appeared to their relatives in town as evidence. Now, the greatest evidence was Jesus' resurrected body, which over 500 people saw. Amen. That's all quite fascinating. But now, since we, if you're trusting Jesus now, and you die, do you go to Abraham's bosom or paradise below the earth? No, because Jesus already won the victory for you. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be what? To be present with the Lord. Amen? So, but there's still the other side of Hades, the place of separation from God, torment that exists there. But prior to the cross, prior to the, prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, what happened and what was happening at that time is the good, the righteous, and the wicked both went to Sheol, either Abraham's bosom or paradise as it's called, or the place of separation from God. And by the way, it wasn't normative to cross to the other side. Remember, he was like, hey, you know what? Send Lazarus over from, from the paradise side, right? Have him dip a finger in water and stick it on my tongue for I'm a torment of this flame. And Abraham says it's not allowed. To go across the gulf. Send him to go to my brethren. To warn them. So they'll repent. He had a better doctrine of repentance than many preachers do today. He knew people need to repent. Right? Tell them to repent so they don't come where I'm coming. And he said, no, if they don't believe the law of the prophets, they're not going to believe one even if he's risen from the dead. And guess what? Even though Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead, many of them still rejected him. 
Now it's interesting. Uh, he does allow, he did allow Moses and Elijah. We, we don't, Jesus didn't summon them. That would be breaking the law of God. But God the Father sent Moses and Elijah. And that's before the resurrection and before his death. So that would have been from Sheol to talk to Jesus. Uh, on, at, at, but it was a picture of the second coming of Christ. Because God makes the rules, okay? And, he, and, they, and, and Jesus wasn't seeking the dead. So he wasn't breaking any rules anyway. So there's very rare exceptions, as I mentioned, where he allows that to happen, but never, we never see him allow it to happen when somebody on earth tries to seek the dead because that's forbidden by God. That opens you up to what the Bible calls lying spirits and familiar spirits who pretend to be the dead. Now, are you, are you caught up? When it says he brought him up, or was trying to bring him up, verse 12. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. Huh, now this is interesting. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. This is kind of a trip. Because God allows Samuel to come forth. But this is what's interesting. This woman is a witch. She's a demon. She's, she's working with demons. And guess what? She's not used to this happening. She's used to channeling spirits. She's used to channeling demons that impersonate an uncle or an aunt or somebody. And here we have King Saul seeking Samuel. And what's interesting about the narrative, I think it's fascinating here. It's very fascinating. Verse 12, when the woman saw Samuel, she what? She cried out with a loud voice, like, oh no! Saul, why are you deceiving me? In other words, this was different than everything else she'd seen. She's freaking out. Because God actually allowed a real person instead of a demon pretending to be a person. By the way, if you go to a psychic or a witch or a medium... First of all, you're rejecting the counsel of the Lord. You're disobeying the word of God if you do that. And you're in big trouble with the Lord. But you might even get some factual information. It must have been, a, it must have been Aunt Daisy. Because how could she know all that about me? I think I have an Aunt Daisy. I think that's where that came from. You know. But uh, anyway. Do I have an Aunt Daisy? Right? Yeah. She was, wasn't she a godly, the god, a godly? She's a godly evangelical. Praise the Lord. So don't seek Aunt Daisy. Don't seek anyone. But, and, and it had to be Aunt Daisy because she said all kinds of things only me and her could know. Wrong. There's all, God knows everything, number one. Amen. But demons have been around a long time. Okay? They, look, they watch you. Satan was seeking ways he could deceive Job. He was frustrated because he couldn't get to him. They know all about you and your family history and everything else. They can give all kinds of so-called facts about your life. They aren't omniscient. They don't know everything, but they know far more than us. So you shouldn't be surprised if uh, they have certain forms of knowledge. But guess what? They use that knowledge to deceive and to destroy. Now it's interesting. This was Samuel that came up. It says, when the woman saw Samuel. Now Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, and other groups will say, no, this was a demon impersonating Samuel. That's what they say. Because they believe in soul sleep. They believe when you die... You don't exist anymore. The Bible doesn't teach soul sleep. I mean, read Revelation chapter 6. Under the fifth seal, there's the souls under the altar who haven't yet been resurrected, which doesn't take place till Jesus comes back. Amen? And they're crying out to God, how long until you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Amen? The souls of those. The Bible speaks of the spirits of just men in heaven made perfect. Hebrews chapter 12. As I mentioned earlier, to be absent from the body is to be what? 
present with the Lord. The Bible does not teach soul sleep. Yeah, the Bible does teach that the physical mind, body, your physical aspect isn't conscious of anything, but it refers, does refer to the soul. Jesus said, don't fear man, he can destroy your body, but fear God, he can destroy body and what? Soul in hell. And so I see why they're trying to get out of this being Samuel. Plus, it's an uncomfortable text. But God is God. He just speaks truth to us, and he allows this to happen. I disagree that it's a demon impersonating Samuel. That seems attractive until you read the narrative. Because the narrative is very clear, and the Holy Spirit inspired the text, that he was indeed speaking to who? Samuel. He doesn't say, and a spirit impersonating Samuel spoke to him. It says straight out, it's Samuel. And I, I can't get around the text. Why have you deceived me, she says, for you are Saul. She realizes what's going on. She realizes this isn't just... So she thinks she's going to have this regular experience, have this spirit channel her that claims to be Samuel or what have you or some kind... But she sees someone appear, come up. It's not like he's speaking through her, right? And she's freaking out. And she screams out, why have you deceived me? She realizes, whoa, this is Saul that's here. And it's interesting. So... But the Lord allowed this exception. There's only a couple exceptions in all the Bible. Uh, not the disobedience of Saul, which he condemns, and you'll see that later as well, because he's seeking out a sorceress. But he allows Samuel to speak because he's going to bring judgment, ironically. And the judgment is going to be strengthened because of him seeking out a witch on Saul. So we read in verse 13, The king said to her, do not be afraid, but what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up out of the earth, which is more New Age junk. Gods, she's saying. She's used to seeing, you know, demonic entities probably, uh, but not a divine being. Uh, Elohim, I believe, is the word used there. He said to her, what is his form? And she said, an old man is coming up, and he is wrapped with a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel and bowed his face to the ground and did homage. Verse 15. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am greatly distressed for the Philistines are waging war against me. And God has departed from me and no longer answers me either through prophets or by dreams. God isn't speaking to him now. It gets really heavy. Therefore I have called you that you may make known to me what I should do. Samuel said, Why then do you ask me, since the Lord has departed from you and has become your adversary? The Lord has done what the Lord, has, uh, the Lord has done according as he spoke through me. Meaning Samuel warned him before that you're going to lose the kingdom because of your disobedience. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, to David. As you did not obey the Lord and did not execute his fierce wrath on Amalek. So the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also give over Israel along with you and the hand, into the hands of the Philistines. Therefore, tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. They'll be with him in Hades, but not in what? Abraham's bosom, right? There's the other side of Hades or Sheol. Indeed, the Lord will give over the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. You're going to lose this war. Then Saul immediately fell full length upon the ground and was very afraid because of the words of Samuel. So the words of Samuel, not an impersonating spirit. Also, there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food all day and 
all night. Now it's interesting because his disobedience was compounded from seeking a witch. In fact, in First Chronicles, First Chronicles ten thirteen, you can go there if you want. I'm just reading one verse. First Chronicles ten thirteen says, "So Saul died for his trespass, which he committed against the Lord, because of the word of the Lord, which he did not keep, meaning with regard to Amalek, and also because he asked counsel of a medium, making inquiry of it." Isn't that interesting? So he wasn't just condemned because of what happened with Amalek. He was losing the kingdom because of that. Now he's being put to death because he's in rebellion to God. And you know what happens when people get desperate sometimes and they don't feel God's answering them, sometimes they seek occult means for guidance. They seek false teachers to find some kind of comfort or some kind of answer. Don't do that, folks. That's the opposite of faith. Amen? When we walk in the faith, we trust the Lord whether we hear from Him or not. There were a lot of time when Job did not hear from the Lord. Amen? But you read of Job seeking out sorceresses, witches, mediums, warlocks. No, you don't. He sought the Lord. Even when he felt like his words were bouncing off of heaven's doors, he continued to seek the Lord and trust Him. Amen? No matter what goes down in your life, do not forsake the Lord for idols. Do not forsake the Lord for witchcraft. Do not seek occult means. Don't dabble in reading your horoscope. Don't dabble in other means other than the one true God. Amen? Now he sometimes will test us to see if we'll be faithful. And Saul failed that test again and again and was put to death because of it. So sometimes the Lord, it says, also in Chronicles, will put a man through a trial and will even depart from him for a time to see what is in that person. That's what happened with Job. He was still with Job in a sense, right? But he departed in another sense. And he was seeing what was in Job. And when you knock a bottle, if, if you got two bottles, one of perfume and one of vinegar, and you knock them over, you, don't, you can close your eyes and find out which is which if they're different rooms, right? Because that's what comes out. And when we get knocked around, what's in us comes out, amen? And trials tell us who we are. But we need to make sure we choose to become and make sure that we choose to become like the Lord, amen? And sometimes when we get knocked down, we smell vinegar, we something ugly, okay? And that's something we need to identify, the darkness, and confess it and repent of it so we can become more like the Lord, amen? So trials are God's way of showing us who we are and who we need to become. We need to become more like Christ. The Lord, Job said that the, when the Lord's done with me, I know I'll come forth as what? Gold, amen? Job was the most righteous man on earth, but he still was being perfected. I don't care where you think you're at spiritually. God has a lot of work to do on all of us still. Amen? We're under construction. Amen? And we need to keep trusting the Lord. But if you seek the dark side, if you seek the occult, psychic powers, witchcraft, you're going to be given over to greater darkness. And eventually you're going to be doomed. And eventually you're going to be separated from God forever in the lake of fire. It's serious stuff. Now I find it fascinating that throughout history, you see guys like, guys like Saul seeking out occult powers. And that's interesting because the Bible says we don't wrestle against what? Flesh and blood. But against the prince of powers and powers. Amen? Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. There are spiritual rulers, prince of powers and powers, that are ruling the darkness of this world. You look at pornography. You look at uh, the sex trafficking going on. You look at the abortion mills going on. There's principalities and powers that are over these things. Dark, dark powers. 
and we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We, have, we are in a spiritual war, and we're at war with these demonic entities. And often these demonic entities come in the form of pretending to be dead people. Okay, That's why that's forbidden throughout Scripture. Now, it's interesting. You don't just have Saul there. Think of Pharaoh. He had jannies and jambres, right? Think of King Nebuchadnezzar. He had the magi, right? The magicians, right? Who persecuted Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is throughout history. Merlin the magician type thing, you know. Uh, uh, in England, you know, the sorceress in the court, you know. And throughout history, these leaders rely upon occult knowledge. Okay? In the Greek world, in the days of Jesus, there was a demon-possessed woman who was following Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, saying they're servants of the Most High God. But in Philippi, which is in Acts 16, where they were saying this, they're mostly pagans. And who's the Most High God? There's inscriptions to Zeus as the Most High God in Corinth and elsewhere. And that's who they think the Most High God is. So it's not that she's teaching monotheism, you know. She's teaching Greek mythology. And these guys are just emissaries for, she's a syncretist, syncretizing everything, saying, hey, making it all relative. What they're preaching is kind of what we're preaching. You know, they're serving the Most High God, but it would deceive them too. And they teach the way of righteousness, but there's no the way of righteousness. Christianity is called the way, the truth, and life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. Amen. Throughout the book of Acts before that, we see a couple different times where Christianity is called the way. But she doesn't say the way. She says a way. She leaves out the definite article. He's a way of righteousness. He fits fine in our Greek pantheon. Therefore, the miracles they were doing and so forth that would stun people and turn their eyes to Jesus and they get salvation from the demonic realm and these Greek gods. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, the gods of the nations are demons. These people would be delivered from the demonic through the gospel, which is the power of God to salvation. So what was going on there? She's trying to just say, hey, no big deal. We're all on the same side here. They serve Zeus. And they preach a way of righteousness. And Paul, this happened for days, by the way. And some say, why did Paul wait for a while? I believe he waited for a while because guess what happened when he cast that demon out? He got arrested. He, got arrested. he was flogged and beaten because the people that ran her and made business from her, <laughs> they uh, lost their, she lost her power to to tell fortunes because she was no longer had this demon in her. Paul cast his demon out of her. And guess what? That would hinder the work of the gospel, they felt. So Paul waited until it became intolerable and said, yeah, I'm just going to do it. He used the name of Jesus Christ, cast his demon out of her. It says she was possessed by a demon or a, uh, a spirit of a python. It's not talking about a spirit of a python snake. It's a spirit of a python was, was demonic entities that were associated with the temple of Delphi. And that temple, by the way, was the most prominent place that leaders, emperors, and generals went to for advice from the Pythias, the women that would sit on these, uh, on these, tri these stools, three-legged stools, and the vapors would come up in the chasm deep below the temple because there were fault lines that had uh, fissures that had allowed different gases, perhaps some believe ethylene because they found ethylene down there and the faults would change and there's a fault line and water going right through there they found. They didn't think that at first, but uh, those, the historians, even Plutarch, who was a high priest in the first century, who wrote right not long after Paul cast his demon out, talks about how uh, the, the priestesses would inhale these vapors. And that's what happens today. Right now, pharmacaea, people are doing all kinds of 
brain-damaging drugs, you know, to open themselves up to the demonic world. In fact, a lot of people that are in power today. And she was associated, those spirits were associated through telling prophecies. And the leaders, the emperors would, you would go to war often, a general, an emperor, until he consulted these Pythias, these women who were given over to these entities that would give them prophecies. Pretty heavy, guys. And there's spiritual warfare in the Old and the New Testament showing that there is a real spiritual war. And you fast forward to our day, man. Remember Nancy Reagan? She was in astrology. Even when Reagan was governor, he couldn't do a lot of moves unless he followed her astrological charts that she was being fed by her astrologers. Think of Hillary Clinton, right? Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. Remember, Hillary's doing seances, right? In the White House with a woman who's claiming to be a psychic and she's in touch with Eleanor Roosevelt, supposedly. And this woman's into LSD and all kinds of demonic stuff. And then, not too long ago, Bill Clinton said she's still hearing from Eleanor, right? On the run-up to, uh, you know, I think he was doing a, a pro-Obama thing at that point, you know. And, you know, it's just crazy what's going on. It's just, and right now, I mean, witchcraft is all over, th- all over the place. See all the unrest that's all around our nation? All the, you know, and by the way, we do believe 100% in this fellowship. I've done several messages against racism. We do believe absolutely that black lives matter, 100%. Praise the Lord for the African-American folks that go to our fellowship. They're the most, among those precious members, amen. I mean, uh, we just had a, some of our brethren from a live stream audience that came and we had a baptism. And uh, Nathan, one of the brothers, back to the, one of the Texas live streams, he's like, I was eating after the baptism we were eating together and he goes Joe he goes sometimes I hear you mention the diver- diversity you know so you have Hispanic and Asian African-American white for Simi Valley he goes I hear about you mentioned diversity he goes it was so awesome to be at the baptism and see so much diversity in in the congregation you know praise God for that but what we don't agree with is BLM incorporated okay the movement which is exploiting black folks and hijacking uh good protest movements which would say hey there should be true equality and turn it into something violent or something i mean because on blm inc inc blm inc incorporated i mean for they just finally took it down because so many people complained that they are against the nuclear family on their website they're pro-marxist globalism okay and two out of the three founders are lesbians and they're against the nuclear family they stated it clearly pro-Marxist, but also pro-witchcraft, working with the spiritual world. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, witchcraft is alive and well. And when you see all these places burning and so forth, by the way, the riots stopped just a little bit ago, for the most part, right? Just when it started coming out that, that Biden wasn't polling well because of the riots. Seems like the word just went out. Okay, now the riots stopped for a while. Until after the election, maybe. We'll see. Interesting timing, because polls are coming out like crazy that it's hurting him, right? Because at first he wasn't condemning the violence. Now it's interesting, two out of the f- three founders, not only lesbians, but BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors and Melina Abdullah, they chair the Department of Pan-African Studies at California State University, Los Angeles, not far from here, and uh, co-founded the Los Angeles chapter of Black Lives Matter. In rituals that they do voodoo rituals they call up spirits to help them and strengthen their movement 
In fact, some of the stuff you've heard on the news that you think means this has a double, it's a double entendre, another meaning, okay? In fact, they even go to areas where they're going to be protesting or what have you, or, and they'll pour out libations, water, in worship of these spirits. And they claim that they're worshiping relatives, relatives that had, been, had violence against them in the past and what have you. And guess what? Quote, we become very intimate. Okay? Listen to what Abdullah stated. Quote, we become very intimate, very close, with the spirits that we call on regularly. Catch that? These are leaders of BLM Incorporated. We become intimate with the spirits that we call on regularly. Right, like each of them seems to have a different presence and personality. These folks are being used by demons, folks. Okay? You know the BLM slogan? Say his name. You know that BLM slogan? Say his name. And everybody thinks, oh, it's about saying his name so you remember what happened to this person and so forth. And, and by the way, I'm absolutely 100 against any kind of injustice in the police force. If there's a police officer who's truly trying to hurt someone because of their race or not because of their race, they're just trying to hurt someone, of course that person should be dealt with to the fullest extent of the law. Can you say amen to that? Absolutely. Okay. But don't twist it and divide everybody and then do the very stereotypical thing that you're concerned about and then be a racist against cops and say every cop's evil. You know? The BLM slogan, say his name, well, that came right out of their witchcraft and their communion with spirits. In fact, Abdullah met with a, a BLM group uh, in front of the home of Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, and she led the group in a ritual, a witchcraft ritual of calling the spirits, calling on the names of those taken by state violence. While she, quote, poured libations on the ground. I've seen this on video. We're outside right now, so I can't show you the video. I was going to show you the video, but I can't, okay? Where she's talking about there's, These quotes I'm giving you, are, I got them right off her video, okay? Their, their video, they've come out and admitted this stuff. While she poured out libations on the ground as, as the group was chanting Ase, which is voodoo, or Yoruba turn of voodoo, that uh, voodoo practitioners of Ifa, which is the, the voodoo of African voodoo that they're involved in from West Africa, practice. And they kept repeating, say his name. Say his name as they're calling forth these spirits. Remember the witch at Endor? What's his name? So I can call him up. They'll say the names to call these folks up. But it's forbidden in Scripture because Satan uses this to capitalize on it. Say his name. Unaware, these people are all say his name, unaware that this is part of their witchcraft rituals. Are you with me today? This is crazy stuff. So all these people all over there marching and everything, they have no idea they're, they're, they're practicing witchcraft. They're being incorporated into this huge mass witchcraft rituals where they're saying the name over and over again and they think it's just to remember someone when it started with calling the names of these spirits of you know, people that they felt need to be represented by them. And they've, they talk about having deep converse or conversations with these entities, laughing with them and so forth and all that. Colors, she goes on to talk about how these spirits are influencing and empowering her movement. And she states that the mantra, quote, say his or her name, started as a petition to the spirits of the deceased to come forth and rise to work through her and the BLM movement. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers, against the rules of darkness of this world, 
spiritual wickedness in high places. Colors states that the BLM movement is part of a spiritual fight. Oh, it is. Paul said as much, amen? Except she's on the wrong side. And what breaks my heart is she's leading African Americans away from Jesus, these girls. They're leading them away from the true roots of the real abolitionist movement, which was by Christians are the ones who ended slavery. Most of the abolitionists that did the most work to stop slavery were professing Christians, amen? You even look at Martin Luther King Jr. in the 1960s in the segregation movement and stuff. He was a professing Christian advocating nonviolence. Yet BLM goes down the street and what do they advocate? Pigs in a blanket. Fry them like bacon. That's violence. That's wicked. Then you say, well, they're not really associated with violence. Well, they try to dissociate it. But when you have slogans, pigs in a blanket, kill them like, you know, fry them like bacon. What does that mean? You know. It's just amazing. And then we wonder why there's all kinds of black neighborhoods burning and black folks dying in these things. It's wicked. Jesus said, I have come. He says, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. And praise God, there are all kinds of black folks and black Christian leaders, uh, YouTube, elsewhere, that are blowing the whistle on this. They're saying, hey, this is not, this is not Christianity. This is not the way we should be going. This is the way of violence. This is the way of evil. And they're even exposing it as being demonic. I've talked to some of my black brothers about this and sisters, and they understand what's going on. And some of them, by the grace of God, are also exposing it. Wow. Now, the only spirit you want in you is the Holy Spirit. Amen. The spirit of the living God. Amen. And we have to be careful right now, man, because... In the Old Testament, it's not the witch of Endor who's the wickedest woman in all of biblical history. It's a woman by the name of Jezebel. And Jezebel was a demon-possessed witch. She was also queen, and she tried to fuel the worship of the Baals, or Baal, didn't she? And she spread fornication, sexual immorality, and, and perversion, and uh, witchcraft, and idol worship throughout the kingdom of of which she was queen. And it's interesting that she persecuted who? The prophets. She had them killed. Amen. Elijah the prophet she tried to kill. For 42 months, God brought judgment through Elijah the prophet. That 42 months is a picture of the 42 months, the, the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, folks. This is a picture. King Ahab, like Antichrist, Jezebel, like a picture of the false prophetess, witchcraft, talks about how she was a witch. It says she was a witch. And she spread evil and persecuted God's people. I'm telling you right now, when you see uh, the protests and they're burning Bibles, and eventually you're going to see more and more churches burned, things of that nature, more and more persecution is coming. Okay? I'm not saying when, but there's going to come a time when Jesus said that they will put you to death thinking that they're doing God's service. And that all... Uh, they'll, that they'll kill you. He said, in, in thinking they're, he said, my name will be hated throughout the world. You'll be hated because of all nations because of my name, he said. They hate the name of Jesus. They're not calling the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ as Lord, to strengthen us and so forth. There's a departure. And what's happened is Satan has hijacked the good aspects of the civil rights movement and the abolitionist movement of the past and tried to hijack it, bring it into an occult area. And guess what's happened? The very opposite of peace and unity, true joy, 
and so forth. It's brought division among people, ethnic group against ethnic group, as Jesus warned. It's brought violence. It's brought destruction because the enemy comes to still kill and destroy. By the way, if you go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, it talks about Jezebel. But this is obviously not the Jezebel of the Old Testament because that was thousand years earlier or over, I'd say, you know, several hundred years earlier. Okay? And it's interesting because Jesus is talking about a false prophetess in the church at Thyatira. And he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's warning that that same woman who was under the power of demonic principalities and powers was alive and well in Jesus' day in the church. And she's alive and well in the world today. Not Jezebel, but the spirit that uses these witches and these false prophets. Revelation chapter 21, verse 18. And to the angel of the church at Thyatira, right? The Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you. The church is doing good, but there's something really bad going on in this church. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray, so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. She was leading Jesus' bondservants, true believers, into eating things sacrificed to idols and in in, in witchcraft, adult, uh, occultism, and to what? Committing acts of immorality, sexually perverse acts, and sacrifice to idols. Paul said the idols of the world, the nations are demons. Again, 1 Corinthians 10, 20. These people are worshiping demons in the church. I gave her time to repent. And she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children, that would be probably her followers, with pestilence. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. See, these folks were, uh, Jesus is calling them the deep things of Satan. She's probably calling them the deep things of Christ. So he uses the irony there. Verse 25, Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. Hold fast till I come. He who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, perseverance, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And the vessels of the potter, are, as vessels of the potter are broken to pieces, as I also have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. Jesus is the morning star, amen? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So now you look at what's going on in our world. When you look at sex trafficking, which is on the rise in our country and around the world, the rules of the darkness are over that. The, the radical pornography just growing where it's just become a, a click away for so many people, Right? People are immersed in it. The drug culture becoming more and more popular. Legalizing not just marijuana now over a lot of our country, but now they're trying to uh, legalize hallucinogens, pharmacaea, to open people up. Satan wants that because it opens people up to demons, just like the vapors in, uh, in the Temple of Delphi. Brothers and sisters, we're in a spiritual war. We are indeed. And Halloween is a manifestation. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, abstain from all what? appearance of evil that seems to rule out halloween doesn't it okay 
got witches and demons and ghosts. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Hold fast to that which is good. The Bible says not to learn the customs of the nations. The Bible says not to run with the crowd. In, Rome, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1, and 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you offer up your bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord, which is your acceptable or reasonable or spiritual service, depending on your translation. And don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? They may prove God's perfect will. Amen? You want to make sure you're not being conformed to the pattern of this evil world system. Well, the neighbors are doing that. What will they think if I don't do that? You should be more concerned about what they think about Jesus and whether they're saved or not. And whether they think you're a true Christian or hypocrite, whether it's truly following Jesus or not. Amen? Make sure you don't participate in the works of darkness. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.11, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather what? Expose them. Amen? Which is what we are doing here. By the way, it gets uglier. That spirit of Jezebel, demonic entities that were using Jezebel, and all kinds of demonic entities are using different people, are alive and well today. Revelation 9, 20 and 21 talks about the end of days in the tribulation period after some of the trumpets have blown and, and a third of the earth has been wiped out. By this time, it's half the earth because a fourth was wiped out. Then a third, you put a fourth and a third together, you got a half. And then because if you, if you take out what's left after a fourth is taken, then it leaves about half the people left and they still don't repent. And it says in Revelation 9, verse 20, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. So as to not to worship demons. People are worshiping demons right now. BLM. And the idols of gold of, and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And many of these folks that are worshiping these different entities have little statues to remind them of these entities. And they did not repent of their murders. There's a lot of people being killed. Okay? There's people being killed in, it, through sorcery, witchcraft. Adolf Hitler was into sorcery. Over 50 million people were dead by the time he was done. I mean, he talked about all those who were killed after World War II and its aftermath. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, their witchcraft, nor of their immorality, their praneo, nor of their thefts. How much thieving have we seen going on in the midst of the so-called riot uh, protest? A lot of these things were violent. And too bad more people didn't step up and say, we condemn the violence. How long did it take Nancy Pelosi to come up and say, oh, we condemn the violence. It's wicked. It's evil. That, it took her a long time. I don't know if she did it. Did she ever do that? It took Biden a long time too. When he started, his poll numbers were going down. That's pretty scary when you think about people that don't care about truth. They don't care about what's right. They don't care about life. In fact, these very people I'm talking about, most, if not all of them, are fine with killing millions of babies in a woman's wife's womb. In a, in a, in a woman's womb. That's murder. 60 million plus in our country alone. It's murder. The blood of the innocents is crying out. And if we don't speak out, who will? Oh, but it's dangerous to speak about these things, Joe. Ha! We're called to. Well, you can get persecuted. Well, Elijah got persecuted, amen? John the Baptist lost his head. Jesus got crucified. Most of the apostles were killed. That's part of the deal sometimes. Hasn't been part of the deal here in America for us yet. United States for many of us, for most everybody. But it's coming too. It's coming. There'll be persecution that grows. Pray, cry out to the Lord. Amen. Make your, let your voice be heard. Okay. Oh, well, there's also, you can also vote, right? That's coming up, right? Okay. You want to vote for people that share your values. Amen. People that are against killing babies in the womb. Amen. People that are against 
progression of evil. Amen? Amen. I encourage you to do that in the name of Jesus. I won't tell you what candidates to vote for, but you can figure it out. It's pretty easy, okay? You know? But I'll tell you who to seek. How do you apply this to your life? Well, we've been talking about some of that application just now. But also, obedience is better than sacrifice, amen? Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, amen? Obey the Lord. Don't veer to the left or right. When you're in times of stress, don't seek compromise, amen? Seek the Lord. And the worst thing that could happen is you could die and go be with the Lord. Amen? Also, don't seek the dead. Don't seek demons. Act, or Isaiah, 18, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. And when they say to you, some of these false prophets, and when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their, of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? In other words, guess what? Why would you seek the dead on behalf of the living and open yourself up to the demonic world when you can seek the true and living God? Amen? But wait, man. Saul, God wasn't speaking to him. That's because he refused to repent. If he would have thrown himself before the Lord and said, have mercy on me, Lord God. I am so sorry. I don't think he would have got his kingdom back. And if he didn't seek that witch, but he said, forgive me of my sins, Lord. The Lord says, whoever comes to me won't cast away. Amen? He would have, could have been forgiven with the Lord. But he died in rebellion to God. This is all very, very serious stuff. Remember, again, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and destroy, still kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life, what? More abundant life. He wants us to have the abundant life. Amen. And guess what? That abundant life is only found through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Hey, when I say amen, it's okay to get excited and say amen. Praise the Lord. So praise God. We have an awesome God. So I want to encourage all of you guys, in the name of Jesus, I want to encourage you to make sure you're putting him first right now. Because King Saul, by the way, you want to fight battles that matter. Amen? amen. King Saul was f trying to kill King David before he was king. Amen? That's not the battle he should have been in. Amen? Instead, he was losing his rear end of the Philistines and not seeking the one true God. And he wasn't fighting the, the, the kingdom of darkness and humbling himself before God. Amen? You might be fighting battles right now where you're just spinning your wheels. You need to make sure that you have the main battle won, which was won by Christ on the cross through faith in Him and that your sins are forgiven. Amen? Because you can fight on this hill, you can fight on that hill for this issue, that hill, this, that issue. But if you don't know the living God, you don't have a relationship with Him because you haven't called upon Him, you're doomed. And you've lost the war because you're against Him. Because Jesus said, He that's not with me is what? Against me. So you must make sure you're right with God. And like that one guy that went to the temple, man, that, that, that publican, he went in there and he beat his chest. He couldn't even look up because he was so ashamed of his sin. The tax gatherer says, God have mercy, I'm a, I'm a sinner. He just earnestly in his heart cried out to the Lord and said, I'm a sinner and God forgave him. That's what Jesus said. And the word of the Lord says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Saved. Call upon the name of Jesus. He's a name that's higher than every name. And it was, that, it was the name of Jesus that Paul used with that woman that was possessed by the spirit of a python tied to that, that, that temple. And we'll get into that another time. I was going to preach on that actually today, but I switched to the uh, witch of Endor. But guess what? Paul, to, to overcome that demon, in the name of Jesus, he expelled that demon. You have the name that's higher than every name, higher than any demon's name, amen? So you could also rely on the name of Jesus Christ for deliverance when you're under spiritual attack, Amen? But I want to encourage you right now. 
The main thing, you want to call upon the name of Jesus for your salvation. Whoever calls upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Amen? If you haven't done that yet, man, tell God, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I know I've blown it. I, I repent. I turn from my rebellion against you and I embrace Jesus Christ. Through faith, I put my trust in him as my Lord and Savior. And you'll pass from death to life and be saved. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's all please stand.